Welcome back to A Church in the City, a podcast by Downtown Christian Church. On this episode, we're wrapping up our two-part series entitled Shameless Living. Shame is a devastating, destructive force in the life of a person. It is an attack against our identity and can penetrate to the core of who we understand ourselves to be. It can have a long-term impact on our relationships with others and even our relationship with God. So how can we be free of shame? Let's listen in as Kevin shares on living without shame. It's not stubbornness, Scott. It's called tenacity. Tenacity is a tenacity. Yeah, tenacity, not stubbornness. I think I heard something out of my wife. Was that a meh? Hmm. So she thinks I'm tenacious too. See, told you it was true. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, we're talking about uh, shame again this morning. And uh, Chris and Lisa really kicked this off just really, really well last week. Um, it was amazing. Lisa kicked it off really well last week. And Chris offered her some great support. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Come on. Can I get an Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Let's just, let's just give credit where credit is due. <laughs> so um, this morning, uh, we'll wrap this up, and then um, next week, Chris is going to share with us about Thanksgiving, and then we're at Advent. So where the heck did 2020 go? But good riddance. Uh, good riddance to bad rubbish. That's what I had to say about 2020. So this morning, we're talking about shameless living, and... Um, the title of this series actually came out of a conversation that Jamie and I were having with a couple uh, we were doing a wedding for, and uh, and she mentioned uh, in one of the one of the talks that we had, she said, "You know, the church has done a really good job teaching me all my life. She's twenty, you know, something." The church has done a really good job teaching me all my life how to live without blame, right? How to not to carry blame for sin and this and that, but, but I have not ever been taught how to live without shame. And uh, interestingly enough, around the same time, God put the same thing on Chris and Lisa's heart and we started to talk about what would it look like just to do a couple of weeks to talk about shame and, and to talk about what does it look like really to live free from shame. But even more than that, not just what does it look like as individuals to live free from shame, but what does it look like to create and promote a, a shameless culture? What does it really look like to create and promote a shameless church culture? Say, well, why is shame such a big deal? I mean, most of us grew up hearing the words, shame on you. 
We've all heard that at one time or another. Come on. Anybody? I mean, don't raise your hand, but I guess, I, I don't know if anybody has ever lived that hasn't heard that at one time or another. Shame on you for that. What a bunch of garbage. Sorry, I'm kind of passionate about this because here's the problem, and I'll probably get a little riled up. You'll have to forgive me. Um, here's the problem with shame. Shame is an attack on your identity in, your, in Christ. Okay, and so um, that's the real problem. You know, Lisa really shared some very, very powerful things uh, just about some things from her past that, that God had, had healed her from and, and really even not knowing at one point, like, wow, I, you know, just being really, really released of that, of that shame. You know, it's one thing to say, okay, I'm forgiven. I know I'm forgiven for this, that, or the next thing. I know that God forgives me for that thing that I did. But it's a whole nother thing to give up shame. It's a whole nother thing to give up shame. It's a whole different deal. Because we've been taught that we are the sum total of what we do. We have been taught all of our lives that we are the sum total of the things that we do. And I'm sorry if... I'm busting your bubble when I tell you that that is not true in Christ. In Christ, you are the sum total of everything Christ has done. How do you like that? You are the sum total of everything Christ has done. You are not the sum total of the things that you have done. Right? So it's a whole different way of living to say that shame isn't mine. Yeah, I did those things. And yeah, I've been forgiven. But even the shame of them was bore for me on the cross. Jesus' beard was ripped out. He was shamed on my behalf. He bore my shame so that I would not have to. I'm going to read this to you. I wrote this yesterday. Um, I was I was introduced to pornography when I was ten, and I was addicted to it for most of my young adult life. I started experimenting with sex drinking heavily and using drugs when I was 15. My son Hezekiah is 15. I started selling drugs not long after that. I was rejected and bullied most of my adult life, excuse me, most of my adolescent life. So I became the meanest bully in the room. I was full of rage, hate, and self-loathing. After high school, I failed out of college because I was a drunk and a druggie. By the time I met Jesus, I'd been arrested multiple times for drugs and had done many, many other terrible things that I would loved nothing more than to forget. I continued in my addiction to pornography well into my Christianity, even as a young man in church leadership. 
By the time I met my wife, Jamie, I had been addicted to pornography more than half the time that I'd been alive. I had every reason to be ashamed of myself. But the case for shame didn't stop then. I've made many mistakes and missteps through the years. And yet through it all, Jesus has made me free. Not only from the sin itself, praise God, but also from the resulting shame. Friends, shame is a real, dangerous, and devastating thing in the life of a human. It completely robs you of the hope to change. Because shame doesn't tell you what you did wrong. Shame tells you that you are wrong. Shame speaks to your identity. Shame speaks to the core of who you are and says, this is your lot in life. You are wrong. See, guilt is good. Conviction is good. Conviction speaks to a thing. Conviction speaks to a behavior. Guilt speaks to a behavior. It says, hey, that's not for you. That thing that you are doing, that thing that you just did, that's not God's best for your life. It speaks, the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes with hope. The conviction of the Holy Spirit comes with a picture of Jesus saying, that's not for you, this is what is for you. Condemnation and shame come with defeat, devastation, destruction, and hopelessness. Good news, friends. You and I were made to live shamelessly. We were made to live shamelessly. The whole conversation with the couple that I was telling you about started with the verse in Genesis that Lisa read on Sunday, Genesis 2.25, that the man and the woman were naked and they were unashamed. They were completely exposed. There was nothing between them, one another. There was nothing between them and God. There was nothing between them. They were completely exposed, and there was no shame. This, dear friends, is what God made us for. This kind of shameless living. But see, the problem is that we have been taught that the things that we've done equal who we are. Shame speaks to your identity. It doesn't talk about, it's the difference between I've done something wrong and I am something wrong. I've done something wrong, guilt, conviction, I am something wrong. Shame, condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of sin and life has set them free from the law of sin and death. Shame matters. Shame is dangerous. Shame will keep us from experiencing the life that we were made for in Christ. That's right. 
say, how can that happen? How can you stop God? Well, if you're convinced that you don't deserve the things that he has for you because you're unworthy, you'll just not receive them. You'll just not walk in them. You'll just not live in them. See, because shame convinces us that at our core, we are wrong. But in Christ, friends, in Christ, friends, in Christ, friends, your core, your nature, is, it is full of everything God and everything good. And God does not partake in sin. So you can't have a sin nature and a redeemed nature at the same time because my God doesn't participate with sin. That's not to say that we never sin, we never make mistakes, we never mess up, but it's not your nature if you're in Christ. See, if you're in Christ, you're naturally, you are naturally redeemed, restored, made new. Shame can wreck, hurt, or impede relationship with God and with others. What was the first thing that they did when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What was the first thing they did? They withdrew. First, they made coverings. So there was something between each other. And then they hid from God. Shame will cause you to withdraw. It will cause you to hide. It's important. It's important that we don't allow secret things to cause us to withdraw and to hide from community, least of all from God. Because it's the word of the Lord in your life that speaks freedom. It's the word of the Lord in your life that says that shame, that shame that you're carrying, it is not yours. It is not yours. But shame becomes a friend. It becomes a friend because it's been around for so long. What would life be like if I didn't think I was unworthy? What would life be like if I didn't think I was a piece of garbage? What would life be like if I didn't think I was a piece of trash? It would be free. It would be free. It would be free. There's two things that I want you to walk away with this morning. And the nice thing is that the countdown clock never started, so I have all the time in the world to make sure that you get those two things. And since it's 50 and raining, nobody needs to go deer hunting anyway because the deer, the deer are not in this. They're not crazy. Two things I want you to come away with today. I want you to come away with the idea that you, each and every one of you were made to live shamelessly. And I want you to come away with the idea 
that you're made to promote shameless living in the people around you. Those are the two main things I want you to grab today. You're not made for shame, and neither is your neighbor. You're not made for shame, and neither is your neighbor. Jesus took our shame. Jesus took our shame. Why do we want to keep it? Any more than you'd want to keep sin. Any more than you'd want to keep anything that Jesus took on your behalf. He bore sin in his body on your behalf. Why would you want to keep it? You don't. Shame. He took it for you. There's an exchange. He says, this is not yours. It is a powerful truth to remember, to hear, to think on, to meditate on. Set up a pillar if you need to. Make a monument. Do what you have to do and don't forget it. It's not yours. Shame isn't yours. It doesn't belong to you. Listen. Understanding that you are not the sum total of what you do is it's paramount. It's fundamental. But it's way bigger than shame. That idea is way bigger than shame. It's huge. Right? You are the sum total of everything that Jesus has done. He who knew no sin became sin on your behalf that you might become the righteousness of God. He who knew no sin became sin on your behalf that you might be called the righteousness of God. He gives you beauty for ashes. He turns your mourning into dancing. He says, this is the life I made you for. As you're walking along and he's showing you the things and you're laying stuff down and you're being set free. It is an amazing thing to realize the great and amazing gift that you have in everything that Jesus has done for you. You don't have to ask to be set free from shame. It's done. You don't have to be set, ask to be set free from sin. It's done. It doesn't belong to you. If there's sin in your life, if there's something you're struggling with, you don't have to get on your knees and beg God, God, please set me free from this bondage. It is for freedom that you've been set free. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. It is a done deal. Accept it. Walk in it. Receive it. For a long time, for a long time I used to say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. One time God used a a friend of mine blew my mind. Said, You're not a sinner. You're a saint. Why are you talking like that about yourself? 
Why you receive that as your identity? Why you receive that as your identity? Why are you claiming that as who you are at your core? Okay, let's be honest. None of us are perfect. We make mistakes. We participate with our old systems of thought and behavior. Yes, I do that, absolutely. And it is called sin when I do. And I repent. Repentance is a beautiful thing. Repentance is an amazing thing. Repentance is me saying, yes, God. Repentance is me saying, I don't want that thing. I'm turning around and I'm walking toward the things of the Spirit. I'm walking in step with the Spirit. You, friends, there are so many things that we take shame from. So many stories that we've heard even over the last couple of weeks, but, but out longer than that, ever since we started to talk about things like this and started to be honest and transparent. So many stories of people that have lived in shame because of just things, not even things that they've done. I mean, my story, okay, yeah, that's all stuff I did. That's all stuff I did. There's a lot of people out there living in shame because of stuff that was done to them. There's a lot of people out there that, that, that are believing that somehow at their core there's something wrong with them because that was something that was done to them as a result of a behavior Maybe it was an abuse of some sort. Maybe it, was a, maybe it was a verbal thing. Maybe it was something that you grew up under. Maybe it was a religious system. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. I don't know what it was, but there's so many of us that just grab hold of these little things, and they can be little things. I pushed the wrong button. I didn't make the right decision quick enough, and because of it, it resulted in failure. There's shame in that. There's shame in that, and that shame is not yours. Okay, I didn't do the right thing. I made the wrong call. I said this thing. I did this thing, and I can never come back from it because it has defined me for years. That's shame, friends. That's shame. Let it go. But that can sound so insensitive to say, let it go. It can sound so insensitive because it, it seems so simple, but I'm not trying to oversimplify. I'm saying just do this. I'm saying just do this. Just offer it up. Just say, Lord, I want, I know that you took my shame. And here I am. I'm giving you this shame. I'm giving you these ashes. I'm giving you this destruction. I'm giving you this thing that I've done that's defined me for years. I'm giving it up, and I am expecting beauty for ashes. I'm expecting that you are going to turn my mourning into joy. I'm expecting that you are going to bring forth a beautiful, beautiful life out of the destruction and the rubble and the ashes that have been created in my life, whether it was a result of something I did or something that was done to me. That is the goodness of God, friends. That is the great and amazing Father that you love, that loves you, that, that, that saved us, that brought us into family. This is God. 
Why is it so important? Because it's about freedom. Bottom line, it's about freedom. I was reading this yesterday in, in, uh, in John, verse 32 of chapter 8. So Jesus was saying, this is starting in verse 31, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If you continue in my word, If you continue in my word. What is Jesus saying to you this morning? What is the word of the Lord in your heart this morning? You could say it this way. As you grow in the intimate, face-to-face knowledge of Jesus, his word to you will liberate you in every way to the freedom for which you were called and created. This knowledge that Jesus is talking about, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. This is not just some cerebral academic understanding of a set of principles. This is the face-to-face intimate knowledge of God. This is the face-to-face intimate knowledge of Jesus. This is knowledge of the Holy Spirit. This is learning. This is growing day by day, every day, learning and growing and, and, and being set free in this kind of progressive way. You are fully free 100%. You don't need to get any more free than you already are. And yet, if you're anything like me, you're probably not experiencing the fullness of that freedom in every single way possible. Okay? That's where we're on a journey, friends. We're on a journey where we're realizing progressively the greatness of the things that God has already given us. That freedom is already fully yours. You don't have to get more free. You don't have to pray the right prayer to get more free. You don't have to say the right thing. You don't have to rub your Bible three times to get the genie to pop out and give you your wishes. It's done. Complete, yours, fully, not partially, fully. His word to you, his word to you will liberate you in every way to the fullness of the freedom 
for which you were created. You might ask, maybe you, maybe you wouldn't, I don't know, but you might ask, Kev, how did you get free from shame? That sounds like a lot. Yeah. I began to understand through the word of the Lord to me that I was his son and that he was proud of me. I was his son and he was proud of me. Now I'm certain that God is not proud of a lot of the things that I've done. I am absolutely certain because I am far from proud of a lot of the things that I've done, even yesterday. But I am certain that he is proud of me because he made me, because he formed me, because he called me, because I'm his, because he died for me, because he rose for me because his beard was ripped out of his face for me, because he, was, because he was whipped and tortured for me, because he said for the joy set before him, he would endure the cross, and I know that I was that joy. So why in the world would I want to live with shame? That the God of the universe, the great and amazing creator, the King of kings and the Lord of lords calls me his. He calls me his, he calls me his son, he calls me beloved. He calls me beloved, he calls me his pride and joy. And I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that he feels the same way about each and every one of you. And I am convinced that he feels the same way about each and every one of all, of each and every one. That there's not some that God's proud of and some that he's not. Because we're not the sum total of what we've done. Because we could put our rap sheets side by side and some of us might be worse than others. But at the end of the day, He's not rating us on our own rap sheet. He's rating us on Jesus. There's a common thing in the church and it's more of a human thing than it is a God thing. We have a tendency to have a rating scale 
for sin. We have a tendency as people to look upon certain behaviors as worse than others. And in some senses, that's a thing. In some senses, from a, from a, from a society standpoint, from a human standpoint, it, it, it's true. Some things are more destructive than others. I had somebody ask me one time, they said, so, so are you saying that like, you know, that like some sin is, is better than others? And I said, no, dude, it's all here. It's not like some is here and some is here and some is here and some is way down here. It's all way down here. And yet Jesus paid the price, not just for the sin, but for the resulting shame. Where am I going with this? Friends, it is important that you realize two things. You weren't made for shame, and neither was your neighbor. So don't produce shame in those around you. Any more than you would want them to produce shame in you. How do we produce, create, and promote a shameless culture? We refuse to walk in shame ourselves, and we refuse to create it in others. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have to call sin, sin. But remember, there's a difference between guilt, conviction, shame, and condemnation. It's always important that we understand that it's great to be free ourselves, but it's even greater to multiply that freedom. It's even greater to give it away. It's even greater to be able to help produce that freedom in someone who's with you, in someone who's near you, in someone who's by you. So how do we produce a shameless culture? First of all, we realize that shame isn't ours and we refuse to walk in it. We realize that shame isn't ours and we refuse to walk in it. Secondly, we begin to recognize shame in others and refuse to produce or validate it in them. When you recognize shame in someone that you're with, a friend, partner, spouse, family member, friend, make a choice. Refuse to validate that shame and refuse to produce it in other people. Lastly, we have to be people that promote vulnerability and honesty for the purpose of freedom. Why did Lisa get up here and tell her story last Sunday? Why did I share with you what I shared with you this morning? It was because I want you to understand that it's safe. It's safe to be honest. It's safe to be vulnerable. It's safe to be transparent. It's safe to tell your story. I probably wouldn't tell it to just anyone. I guess I told it to YouTube. So, whoops. I wouldn't always just tell everything to anyone, right? Because some people don't know how to steward your vulnerability. They just don't, okay? 
Some people don't know how to steward your vulnerability. So don't just tell anything and everything to everyone. Okay, but find a safe place in community where you can be honest. Where you can say, hey, here's an area. Help someone, help, allow someone else to help you. If, you. if you are having trouble getting that word of the Lord that produces that um, liberation, that freedom in your life, then get around someone that can help you with that. We're going to have people in the back this morning praying for you. Okay, so if that's you this morning, if you're like, hey, I don't know what that word of the Lord is that's going to produce that liberation in my life and bring me into that freedom, then let somebody pray for you. Let someone prophesy over you. Let somebody speak the truth of God into your heart. Let somebody speak the truth of who God says you are. Let somebody... No heavy on the people that are praying back there, but let someone prophesy over you. Let somebody tell you who God made you to be, how great you are, and how much he loves you. Who is it, by the way? Oh, yeah, you're good. It's Chris and Lisa. You'll be fine. Listen, we have got to be people that promote vulnerability. Okay, I used to think I was vulnerable. Maybe you've heard me say this before. I used to think I was vulnerable, but... I was confused. I was transparent. I would tell, I would, I would say whatever, right? But vulnerability literally means that you weaponize the person across the table from you. You give them information with which they could turn on you and hurt you with it. This morning, I've been vulnerable with you, friends, and I have a vulnerability hangover, to be honest. It's not my strong suit, but it's important that we promote a culture where we can be honest with each other because honesty produces freedom. It's not just honesty for the sake of honesty. Well, here's what I did. Here's what I did and blah, blah, blah. No, it's for the purpose of freedom. Always, every time, for the purpose of freedom. Never to glorify the things that we've done in our past because the things that I've done in my past, they're trash, they're garbage. I would never glorify those things. I say them to glorify Christ. I bring them up to glorify Jesus. I bring them up to glorify the love of my great God and Savior who, who found me in the lowest of my low, in the worst of my worst, as a scoundrel and a scumbag. And he called me son. And he called me his. Friends, it's for freedom's sake <laughs> that you have been set free. Stand to our feet. I'm going to turn this over to Scott in just a minute, but I'd like to, it's okay if I pray for us. Chris and Lisa are in the back, okay? And remember, it, if you find your place, yourself in a place where you need prayer for anything, um, they are amazing people. This is a safe place. It's a safe space. Um, please don't leave without getting prayer. Papa, we just love you, and we thank you that you are so good. We thank you for your amazing gift of grace, this amazing life which you've brought us into, this amazing freedom this amazing freedom that you've gifted to us in Christ Jesus. We thank you that you've set us free from sin. 
We thank you, Lord, that you've not set us free to sin, but you've set us free from sin. But you didn't just stop there. You set us free not only from sin, but from the resulting shame of sin. From the thing that wants to separate us. From the thing that wants to keep us down and secret and hopeless and destroyed and laying in the ashes and rubble of destruction. We thank you that you give us beauty for ashes. If you would like to learn more about DCC, get involved with one of our ministries, or give to support us, you can find us at a churchinthecity.org. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Downtown Christian Church for Sunday morning set lists, news from DCC, and more. Uh, and don't forget, you can also join us live on YouTube every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern for worship and teaching. Thanks for listening.